0: Why did Jesus string the two disciples along as they walked to Emmaus? I mean, if we think of Easter Sunday morning with Mary Magdalene at the tomb, when she doesn't recognize him right away, he immediately says her name and all pretense is gone. So, why doesn't Jesus just say Cleopas's name because it's his disciple that walked with him that was around during his arrest and his crucifixion, why didn't he just say his name? Why did he string him along? Well, first, what was happening to these two disciples? When we listen to Cleopas's words to Jesus, when Jesus asks, what happened? He says, do you not know about Jesus, a prophet, mighty in deed and word? And we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, and that women astounded us at visions of angels who said that he was still alive, and yet they are on the road to Emmaus, away from the rest of the disciples, away from Jerusalem. They are despairing. They have lost hope. And if we kind of modernize their questions to ones that would probably be familiar to us, it would be things like Jesus isn't who we thought he was. Or, why would God have allowed this suffering to take place? If God was a loving God, why would this suffering have happened? Or, the faith of those women doesn't answer the questions that my faith has, therefore I walk away from it. These are questions I'm sure people in your life have articulated to you in conversations about the faith in one way or another. The two disciples are those people who once had what they thought was faith and are now walking away from it. So what does Jesus do? What's Jesus' response? The first is that he starts from scratch. He starts interpreting for them again all that was said about him in the Scriptures. He's already done that. They were his disciples. They journeyed with him. They heard him preach and talk. Think about how many times we hear Jesus talking about the prophecies of the Old Testament and how they're to be fulfilled in him. They've already heard these things before, but he starts again. And then he walks with them as they're going the wrong way. They're going away from where they need to be. And Jesus willingly walks with them in the wrong direction without correcting them. And then he breaks bread with them. He stays with them and shares a meal, and it's then that they finally recognize Jesus in the breaking of the bread. So, I'm now going to attempt to explain something that I don't think I'm capable of explaining, but is important in our understanding of the importance of the resurrection in the Christian faith. Because one thing that we know from all of the resurrection appearances that we hear about in the gospel is that when people, when Jesus' disciples encounter him risen from the dead, it radically changes their life. Right? That they have witnessed his miracles, they have heard his preaching, and yet all but a few abandoned Jesus when they encountered the cross. So all of the miracles that they saw all of the teachings that they received were not enough for true Christian hope and faith. Something was still missing. There was something in the resurrection of Jesus that they needed. Because otherwise, the Pharisees also heard Jesus preach and do miracles, saw him do miracles, and that changed nothing in their life. And so, those things are not necessarily. Things that draw out faith from people. What does Jesus do? Think of the resurrection accounts. What is always part of it? His wounds. His wounds are still present in his glory. What does he tell Cleopas as part of his answer? As he's interpreting the scriptures, was it not necessary that the Son of Man should suffer to enter into His glory? That in order for them to receive what they had hoped for, that He would be the Redeemer, the one to redeem Israel, in order to experience the glory, they could not forget the suffering of the cross. That the two have to remain together. Which is why for us as Christians, when we look to the cross, we see the resurrection. And when we look at Jesus risen from the dead, we see his wounds. Because the two cannot be separated. The paschal mystery that is our Christian life is the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Why is this important? I'm going to read to you a quote from Father Lorenzo Albacetti, who's one of my favorite modern writers. And then I'll try and unpack it for you. This is what he says. Authentic suffering is a dialogue, not only with God, but also among humans. To co-suffer is to share the question, why? To be a companion and to walk together toward transcendence. The redemption of suffering, as our experience indicates, cannot be found as an ultimate answer to a problem. It can only be an event that transforms the drama of suffering into a drama of love and shows love to be more powerful than it's denial. Maybe a more simpler way to try to articulate it. Think of somebody in your life who seems very misguided in the way that they think about something or seems very misguided in the way that they're going about their life. How many times have you told them what they should do differently? Does that do anything? Does it change anything when you tell them what is better for them? No, because the experience of their suffering, the answer to that suffering is not an ultimate answer. The perfectly articulated answer to what they're going through will not even change their life. Because what changes the human heart, what brings the human heart to hope and faith is an event that transforms the drama of suffering, the experience of suffering, into an experience of love. And how does that happen? When we co-suffer. When we become a companion and walk together towards transcendence. Which is exactly what Jesus does on the road to Emmaus. He suffers with them. He shares their despair at what they haven't experienced that they wanted to experience. He walks with them in the wrong direction to help walk with them in their suffering towards transcendence, which is what? Seeing Jesus in the breaking of the bread. This is where true Christian faith comes from that transforms the lives of the disciples. Right? Because how many people do we know in our lives who seemingly were Christian in faith and they encounter an experience of suffering in their life and that causes them to walk away. Suffering is at the heart of our understanding of where we are redeemed. We profess in the Apostles' Creed that Jesus descended into hell and on the third day rose again. And the way that he redeems each one of us individually is that he descends into our hell to suffer with us in that hell to raise us on the third day. And the only way that we can come to true hope and to true faith is if we let him encounter us in that part of ourself that we don't even want to face. And that hell that we experience can be a number of different things. It might be woundedness from the past. It might be the current circumstances of your life that feel like a living hell. It might be just the hell that is your pride that is controlling your life without you even realizing how your pride is controlling your life. And Jesus wants to co-suffer, walk with us through that hell to bring us to the resurrection. Because Christian faith isn't about knowledge that infuses our minds with that which then directs our life. it's an encounter with an event that allows the drama of our suffering that every human person experiences because it's a, a reality of being human. Jesus transforms that drama of suffering into the drama of love and shows us that that love is infinitely more powerful than whatever suffering that we are encountering. I'm going to pick on St. Peter. We all know what St. Peter did on the night that Jesus was arrested. When he was confronted with the possibility of professing his faith in Jesus, he denied him. The same Peter that not that long before, Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of John. Flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but to the Father. He professed supposed faith in Jesus, but when faced with the suffering of Jesus' arrest and possibly facing the same end as Jesus, denies him. He did not have the hope and the faith to walk through that drama of suffering and allow it to be transformed into a drama of love but we heard in the first reading from Peter on the day of Pentecost, days after Jesus' resurrection. Now he is publicly professing in the streets his belief in Jesus Christ and countering the teaching of the Jews. And we all know how Peter's life ends. He willingly embraces the same death as Jesus and even requests to be crucified upside down because he doesn't find himself worthy to share that same death. Then he has the faith and hope that come from the resurrection. And the truth is that every one of us could warrant a deepening of that faith in the resurrection. And the way that Jesus brings that about for us is by suffering with us in the hell that we are going through. But he requires our permission. He requires that like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, that we say, no, stay. Stay here with us. Come and eat with us. The day is nearly over. Because we like the idea of Jesus was revealed to them in the breaking of the bread, but what would the breaking of the bread reminded them of? The Last Supper. When someone you love dies, the last time that you shared a meal with them is not a time of joy, It's a time of loss. But Jesus transformed that experience of loss for them into hope and faith. And so in the Easter season, we are invited not to forget Good Friday, but to remember that Good Friday is fulfilled in everything that we celebrate through Easter. And how are we allowing Jesus to come into the midst of what is most broken in us, so that He can draw out from us true Christian faith.